Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. 
Quickwire Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I want to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. Scalpel. Scalpel. Tweezers. Tweezers. Ham sandwich. Ham what? Sandwich. I was going to eat lunch when I got my oil changed earlier, but take five is so fast I didn't have time. But sir, you can't eat during surgery. Eh, one bite won't hurt. Mm. Whoops. Uh, Napkin. Napkin! At Take 5, your oil change is faster than you think. Take 5, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change. This is Delk Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, operator of WKRM, historically 1340 AM, now 103.7 FM, and WKOM, 101.7 FM. We call ourselves Front Porch Radio, and I've said many times what that means. It means that we are working to connect this southern Middle Tennessee community, one listener, one relationship at a time. And let me elaborate on what that means. In this community, we will relentlessly promote jobs, commerce, business, industry, education, arts, green space, music, rivers, the great outdoors, healthcare, churches, charities, sports, and all the great people of Southern Middle Tennessee. Join us, help us, call us. Front Porch Radio, Delk Kennedy, thank you for listening. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia. TB, welcome you to another edition. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a, it is a special. Great day to be alive and well with you. It's TGMD Tuesday with TGMD, my man, the great Matt Dixon, who got it done today. Hubino, semi-called out yesterday. I don't know. I'm not here to start anything. Among my staff, I mean, it's kind of not my style, but it's a great Tuesday to be alive and well with you and your Tony Basilio show. We're happy to be here today. We are fired up, we are folky, and we are prepared. And one thing I want to do as we go along today, we're going to preview Texas San Antonio at some point today and just kind of get a look at who they are and what they do and our buddy from down in San Antonio, because when the sun comes up in a sleepy little town down around San Antonio, we're going to catch up with our guy down there, uh, and we'll break it down scientifically with him. Also, um, what else are we going to do today? 
I want to look at the teams on our schedule and go, okay, stock up, stock down. I'm afraid of them right now, not afraid of them. We're going to look at those games. For instance, like Matt don't want to hear this, but, you know, the way we play offensively right now, Kentucky's a little bit of a scary proposition. Their defense against our offense. Matt, you don't want to hear that, but that's reality. South Carolina's a little scary right now. Yes or no, Matt? scarier than Kentucky because they have a much better passing game than any team. Any team with any kind of passing game at all can have success against Tennessee's defense. Any kind of vertical passing game. Yeah, so which is South Carolina, uh, Texas A&M. Yep. We'll go through it. We'll go through it a little later on. Matt, are you over the Florida thing yet? Are you... Um... What are you right now as you look back at the Florida game? Are you recalibrating this team? Are you upgrading their team? You wrote something pretty interesting today, which is really there are probably eight to ten teams in the SEC that are kind of all bunched together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee and Florida are in that group. Um, Obviously, Tennessee is not as good as as maybe the, the high-end expectations were with, you know, the top 10 ranking preseason and, and, and all that. Um, still don't think Florida's great. Um, they just, you know, play, played a great game, had a great game plan, and the game played out exactly the way that they wanted it to. And it was a, a night game in the swamp, which I think was a big factor. So, you know, is what it is, 20 years running. So just kind of got to move on from it and hope, Hope that you can rebound this week and then definitely take care of South Carolina here in two weeks, which is probably now looking the rest of the way. It's probably the, the biggest game on the schedule for, for Tennessee right now. Cause if you lose that game, then you're in a lot of hurt in the, in the SEC. One other, uh, snooze note and snugget is that, and we'll talk about this later on, but this league's such a mess that Alabama's gone back to their quarterback. They played three quarterbacks now in a couple of weeks. I said back in the summer, and I meant this, that Texas game was going to be a real doorway in the darkness for them. If they lost that game, they were going to have a dark season, and I still think that. That Alabama team I saw play Saturday is going to lose three or four games. The question is, can Tennessee, by the time they go down there, get their act together? People won't laugh at this. That's definitely a winnable game for the Vols. I didn't think that back in the summer, but they're kind of like we are. When you are as offensively challenged as they are, uh, every game's in play, including Tennessee in your building. Am I wrong, guys, to think that? I mean, Nick Saban right now is doing bits. I see SEC Something. Mike in here in our uh, Twitter spaces, but, you know, I mean, Alabama's doing bits right now. And here's what I heard. I heard they demoted the Milrow guy to third team last week because he sulked and pouted, and that's why he didn't get on the field. But then they come back and name him starter. I mean, what in the world? The only thing that really makes sense is some kind of suspension, and I guess that would be sort of yeah. in line with the suspension. You're, you're 13. To do that. Yeah, you're 13. They should have had him play on special teams, like we do with our suspended players, Matt. It's, there, there's a lot of a lot of problems just – Throughout the SEC this year, it's, yep. it's really interesting. I, 
I almost wonder if, I mean, the, the portal's kind of leveled talent out, but I wonder if, if NIL-type stuff is has hurt SEC locker rooms more than any other league, if, if that could potentially be an issue right now. Because it just feels like every team in the SEC is just kind of, you know, going kind of like a C-level performance so far this year. So interesting. Look, we know why it looks the way it does in the NFL, because they don't have training camps anymore. They don't hit. Maybe that's why college ball looks like us. Maybe we're going to start looking at college ball and saying, hey, you know, for the first month, you kind of get what you get. Shake them up. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, Matt brings up a really interesting point. So yesterday, Bino says to me about the Beasley thing, oh, he just looked confused about that question. He, he didn't mean to say, I'm not surprised by it. Bino says he didn't understand the question. Matt, where do you come down on that? Beasley's answer of, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, he probably didn't fully understand the question, but I think there's probably a little truth in the, what he said. I and mean, that's one of your senior leaders. Um, that, that's a guy that I think has probably played as well as anybody on your team. Yes. Um, so maybe he's trying to call out some, some younger guys. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I think there's guys. probably some truth to it, whether he meant it that way or not. Maybe he's trying to call out some older guys. Just saying. We were under the impression that Heupel's program would be immune to stuff like this. It's interesting, Brian. Yeah, it's just we, we're seeing how it's just like anybody anywhere else can be. It couldn't be immune to it. It's just same college kids. So He's right. I mean, there's a bunch of knuckleheads on on this team. Sure. Um, and here in year three, I'm I'm not sure that's a great thing because some of them were inherited and and they're still starting and playing significantly. And I don't, I'm not sure it, that, I mean, I just don't think that's a good thing. But you know what? At the end of the day, you got to dance with, you got to, you got to, you got to dance with the ones you brung or who brung you or however that saying is. And they won with a bunch of these guys last year. So, um, you know, the decision to hang on to some of them is sort of interesting. Like Kamal Haddon, I mean, I'm not, singling him out but a guy like that would never be on my team just wouldn't the guy goes into business for himself all the time uh he just wouldn't play for me it must be a great locker room guy because on the field he looks like an absolute clown no offense to him um and, and then you look at like we i don't want to belabor that offensive line stuff but that's a little troubling but matt you said something in your blog today that i was kind of thinking about yesterday which was Post-game, we were kind of all on Joe Milton. And I'm getting to the point now where I look at the way Joe Milton played Saturday, and I've come to the conclusion that he was okay. He, he was almost good enough to win the way he threw the ball, but it's the other stuff that's getting him. It, it's the other things. It, it wasn't so much the way geared up arm, throwing the ball all over the place, that kind of thing, as much as it was the managing the game stuff, which I'm not sure if you're ever going to get that. If you haven't gotten that by this point and you're him, either that or, or in an open-minded sense, the guy hasn't started a season's full of college football games yet at the uh, at the Division One level. That's also in play here, guys, when you talk about Joe Milton. Well, I, I kind of think that the interception sort of made him a little bit Maybe put him into a shell somewhat. 
when he when he finally got it picked. You know what, Bry? He dropped a couple balls right in that bread basket. He threw that long ball to McCoy right on the money. He came back and hit Thornton with but a ball on the seam that was absolutely a beautiful throw. They were after the those. rest. Of the first those half were on the second half. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm the saying. The rest of the first, the rest of the first half. Oh, I see what problem. you're saying. That's why he was. So I see slow what you're to, saying. To I get see them what. into the, uh, especially maybe that last possession because he was thinking about getting hit and not getting protected enough to where he didn't get hit and throws another pick. Those two penalties, though, in the third quarter, the clock penalties were just really odd. And then the the one at the end of the first half is just something you don't see. But, Matt, all in all, Milton was actually okay the other night. He was kind of good enough to win the way he threw the ball, wasn't he? I, I mean, looking back on I went back and rewatched it yesterday, and I'm like, you know, he wasn't terrible. No, he wasn't terrible after the snap, but I think it's all the pre-snap stuff. You know, playing with tempo, and, and that's one of the main advantages of your offense is you pick up a first down or two and you have the defense on their heels. We were playing so slow that Florida had no issues with with getting play calls in and getting lined up, and that's one advantage that, that we had last year so many times. So. For, for what they asked asked him to do, and the way he, you know, he, I thought he was pretty accurate throwing, and his decision making was was fine for the most part. So I, I thought that was a a fairly normal, a, you know, pre, a pretty decent game for what he's asked to do. Shout out, uh, uh, and then we'll go to the phones. Shout out on Monday Night Football to Nick Chubb, who I was listening to Cleveland radio after that game the other night. You know, that guy's rushed for four, uh, four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. He has been a great man in their community up there. People were, like, almost in tears over that gruesome injury that he suffered last night on television to show you the impact of a person in a town. And so I just want to give a shout-out to him for being a solid human being. Uh, and uh, really being a bright light. That was extremely sad last night. And then also, shout out to the Cleveland Browns because they lost to a team who have the worst offense maybe I've ever seen in my lifetime in the NFL. This guy, Kenny Pickett, is shell-shocked, which is a term we don't use anymore. But he is he looks like a whip dog back there playing quarterback. Their offense is horrendous. It's this this Matt Canada guy. I mean, he might as well be like uh, Matt Czechoslovakia. I mean, he doesn't know anything about football. It's horrendous. How did that guy get there? They were calling for they were calling for his head, chanting in unison last night up in Pittsburgh. Did you guys stay up? Did anybody see that? Brian, did you see that? Pittsburgh scored twice with their defense, including in the final minutes won, to uh, beat them. To beat them. Two scores. And I'm going to tell you something else, yeah. Jimmy Haslam. I'm going to tell you something else, Jimmy Haslam. You are so cute. You know everything. You had to go sacrifice the soul of your organization to get Deshaun Watson. He shot. Deshaun Watson is done. He is donezo. There's not a ch- I have a better chance of being an NFL quarterback than that guy does. He is donezo, yeah, Jimmy Haslam. I'm so glad the stench of Jimmy Haslam is out of this place because that's what we were dealing with all those years. Right there. That's what we were dealing with. 
Brian, how shot does this guy look? Uh, the uh, Deshaun Watson, who stood up there, and boy, he really learned from Dabo Swinney. I'm telling you, I was listening to their post game last night. He's up there going, you know, I just, uh, I own it, and, uh, you know, it's really, it's just kind of, <laughs> he doesn't mean anything he's saying. He's just kind of not serious. They have zero chance. Sorry. Go ahead, Brian. And that's terrible you know, about uh, Nick Chubb, by the way. I feel for Tillman, Cedric Tillman, because I don't think he's had a catch yet in two games. Oh. It's uh, that, and I don't know what that quarterback, he's going to get many. It's pretty random, Bill, of you. Yeah, this guy can't play. So we'll go to the phones. Jimmy Haslam is a sports mess. If, <laughs> if his business life was like his sports life, his sports management life, I mean, literally, the guy would be like living under a bridge somewhere. Have you all considered that? I'm not trying to be funny. Well, it's a truth. This guy has a black thumb when it comes to sports. You give that dude a plant and he will kill it, man. I I don't think I just don't think he's as serious about his sports. Maybe he just sees it as something to. Oh no no no! Pastime. No 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 no. He's too serious about his sports. He wears his coaching shorts on the field, and you know he dodged a bullet with the government. We're not allowed to talk about that, but it's a truth. He dodged, and and and, and he's got all his players. But they mortgage their future to get this guy from the Texans. Everybody said, don't do that. Don't do I'd hate to be a Cleveland Brown fan today. Because I'm telling you, this Deshaun Watson guy is shot. Well, it certainly didn't work out when they tried to draft a quarterback the conventional way. Back they to wanted the, to get out and get somebody proven. Back to the busy phones we go. We'll open up the TLD Logistics Hotline. Let's do it right now. Good morning. Good Tuesday. Good day. Good afternoon. Hello and welcome in. Hey, Tony. Joshy Boy. Under wings. Tony, uh, who they had previous, Baker Mayfield, he is uh, 2-0 and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. You know, what, uh, you know what those Cleveland fans were saying last night? We would rather take our assets, put it in the rest of our football team, get our first-round draft picks back. You talk about some buyer's remorse on the radio last night. And the Haslam's were getting skewered uh, last night because really they're a hamstrung organization now with a quarterback. Josh, Josh, does he look shot to you? He looks shot to me. He looks like he's thirty-five years old. Yeah, Tony, what are what are my Todd's chances against the Browns Sunday? Oh well, I would Cleveland big game for the Browns. What's the line in that game, Brian? Do you have a number? Let me look here. You know, I think the Browns are favored by maybe three. Couple. Titans are a live dog, in yeah. my opinion, Josh. Yeah. Titans are a live dog, and and my Titans might just bring it home against those yeah. guys because that seriously that injury last night is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Browns minus three and a half. So gruesome. So gruesome, so terrible. You know he hit, he hurt that same knee at Neyland Stadium a few years ago in 2015. Oh man, that's exactly it right. Might be, yeah, and he had he he spent that time to rebuild it, got it back. God bless that kid, I man. Was, I think yeah, he was 
over wow. on the sideline. Four 1,000-yard seasons. Great guy in that community. I mean, and when, just a gruesome injury. Ugh. When was that injury against, uh, he had against us? Was that 2013 or 14? His sophomore year, maybe? That was 2015. 2015 Georgia at Neyland Stadium that year. Yep. It was on the over on the sideline, east sideline, northeast sideline. That's, right. side That's wow. right, Brian. Right on the sideline. Tony, uh, my first question is: Do they not have anybody like behind Kamal Haddon that can play that's better than him? Dixon, isn't that kind of a million dollar question? The way they've stayed married to these guys. I guess my one hope, Matt. Is that the kid that they gave a chance to down at Florida played very well, and Heupel cited that and told him, Josh Heupel said yesterday, we want you to continue to grow so we can continue to use you. Matt, my hope the whole time was that in camp a couple of those kids could get in, and I hear they're all pretty good, which is what I don't hear about the young offensive linemen. I don't hear that about those players, but I do hear that the kids in the secondary – uh, are going to be pretty good. I guess they don't want to use those guys until they're 100% comfortable. I'm almost to the point where, I don't know. Does Haddon deserve, Matt, the uh, whatever it is, the, the angst he gets among our fan base? Or you think he's just kind of a target? Yeah, Matt. We could, uh, yeah, Matt. We could, put, we could put you back there, and you would be a thousand times better. Well, I, maybe after the snap, I, it's all the it's all the the after the whistle stuff and all those antics that that are just annoying. The the unfortunate part is, and this is probably more an indictment on the coaches and, and position coaches. He's probably he still is your best corner, um, and I mean not that that's anything great, but he's your best corner here in year three, and he. You know, has all the 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 antics and all all the stuff that that nope. goes along with that. It's I just I just don't think they're being that that whole position group is just not being coached very well. If if with what they put out there, he really triggers our fan base, and hey. they're afraid, guys. Hey, they Tone. are afraid of putting kids out there. Go ahead, Tone. What do you think about like some of Hypo's press conferences, like the way he beats around? questions sometimes what do you think about that uh i mean i think he's a football coach i think he's actually a lot more forthcoming than a lot of um than a lot of guys are uh, as a head football coach so but but, but on the injury stuff he's never going to give you anything we know that now two seasons and a couple of uh and if fans want to believe him when he talks about injuries more power to you i try to I try to keep it real with you in terms of the injury stuff as best we can. Uh, there are some things I'm told that I'm not going to give away because I don't want to give my sources up, even though I kind of know what's going on. The thing with the, the Maze guy is, the truth is, he was never going to play last week. We were all talking amongst ourselves about that. We kind of kept that in-house. Yeah. They wanted to play a game, play a game. Tony, uh out the door, I want to make it like a PSA drive-by like Beano did last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Kamal Haddon, just play football and shut the hell up. There is no reason for chirping. If you suck that bad, just play football and shut the hell up. He actually, thank you, Josh, he actually had a pretty good, well, I don't want to say that. 
He had nice play in the open field. I went back and rewatch that. He made a really nice tackle in the open field and stopped, um, I think it was the Pearsall kid, short of a first hey, down, or maybe it was one of their backs, but it was a great got, tackle. He's got good ability enough. That's not a problem with him. So, you know, we did Garzala fifth quarter fan reaction the other night, and we watched the Colorado game while we did it. Fifth most watch college football game on record in ESPN's history. Let me say that again. ESPN's fifth most watch college football game on record. Shattered the previous ESPN late prime window viewership high by several million. ESPN college football's most streamed regular season football game of all times. 9.3 million viewers, ladies and germs. That is a number higher than you would get on a network. That's an insane number for two teams, one at the bottom, fringe bottom of the top 25, and the other one, one of the worst teams in the country, allegedly, coming into the game. And I'm going to tell you something, that game played like that. It was a million times better game than our game was. That game was a literal street fight. I say all that to say this, you know, Sanders and Colorado, in a way, I kind of appreciate him because he's triggering a lot of people, which speaks to me. In a way, he's teetering toward becoming the establishment. He's kind of like walking a fine line in my brain. Now, their win total on the season from Las Weja was three and a half, and they're sitting there at three and oh right now. So if you bet that, you're feeling pretty good about it. You bet that number, you're feeling pretty good about it. 865-200-540. So I just wanted to enter that into our conversation today because it boggles my mind the impact that Deion Sanders has had. I mean, guys, think about think about watching that game if he's not there, what that game would have been like. Just the power and the force of Deion Sanders and his personality. Think about that. We had somebody no yesterday hating on him. No game day. I mean, just no. Think about it, though. Think no about celebs. Just think about what there. the game would have no. looked like. Think about. Think. Just think about it. I saw where Jake the Snake Plumber the other day came out and said he's a Colorado fan now, and he is getting ripped. And I mean ripped by whatever's left of Arizona State's fan base at this point. But he came out and said, I'm, you know, I'm full Colorado. It's so interesting to watch this. That's an insane number they put up. Insane in the membrane number. We come back on the other side. I want to hear from you at 865-200-5402. Again, 865-200-5402. 
This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood, along with the award-winning service and advice Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at automobilekeys.com. You can email us at cody at automobilekeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School football. Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers! 
Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. I've got our favorite grocer, Mr. Miles Johnson, on the line. Miles, how's everybody doing today at Foodland? We're doing great. How about yourself? Oh, I'll tell you, I'm doing fantastic. You guys always have some great deals over there. What do you got for us this week? Well, this week we have New York strip steaks, five ninety nine a pound. Iceberg lettuce, a dollar forty nine each. Sweet onion, three pound bags, two ninety nine each. Nestle Pure Life water, twenty four pack, three for ten. And Coca Cola six packs, three for twelve dollars. All right, some great deals as always. And uh, as always, you guys are open seven days a week, seven a.m. till nine p.m. Did I get it right, Miles? Yep, that's right. All right. Again, you're located right there on West 7th Street. So everybody check in uh, the great deals and see what they got. And there's a flyer at the door. And the people are always very helpful there. So, Miles, as always, we thank you. We appreciate your time. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, okay? All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Once again, that was Miles Johnson for Foodland. Go check them out. They got some great, great deals over there. And uh, they will take care of you and uh, definitely have a good trip visiting with them. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. TB, back with you on the one, the only, as we welcome you back, is your uh, Basilio show. And yeah, the Twitter spaces is a great way to hear the program, because you can kind of hear our banter during the break, and when we all sort of, like right now, we're all sort of clapping at each other, because... That's what losses like this do. They make you, like, miserable. Boy, last year was so much, last year was so much fun. I, I think I speak for everybody when I, when I say, man, I wish it was uh, 2022's football season again because that was so much fun. And this feels kind of familiar. But we'll go back to our TLD Logistics hotline. Hello and welcome in. Hey, Tony. Hey, welcome in. So, I didn't watch a ton of the game on Saturday night, but to me, let me ask you a question. Do you think inside that building the staff has said or will say, look, it's a lot easier to make a 12-team playoff than it is four-team playoff. Maybe, you know, let's have an eye on 24 here as far as, who sees the field and working on development and things like that? Uh, yes and no. Look, I mean, expectations when you go out and win 10 last year and you're top 10 the next season and you have a veteran quarterback coming back and <sighs> and really a bunch of veteran players. I mean, that's what they have here. They're going to lose a ton of guys off this team. Uh, next season. Well, so, so yes and no. Yes and no. My expectations for this team were mainly schedule-based. I thought the schedule was favorable. It still is. But, yep. but Milton wasn't very good at Michigan. He wasn't very good in 2021. So one game against an unmotivated Clemson team that had a bunch of opt-outs, and he's all of a sudden John Elway. 
And he wasn't really great right. in that game either. Like I was saying in the offseason, he was sort of Joe Milton. He had a couple of really beautiful passes and you know they they scored they have like points and then he went eight punts. Yeah, and then they punted the ball like seven or eight times, which if we do that in a football game under Josh Heupel, most times the opponent's going to be in it. Uh so and, and, But here's the thing about Milton, Tony. The seam route that he hit to Thornton after they the missed pass interference spot call on the bomb they threw to him, that's why Milton gets all the chances to get because that was a throw that maybe three guys in college football could make. That's exactly right. He's on throw three or four balls. He's on throw three or four balls that make you go, oh, my gosh, look at that. You're right. And, and like, I agree with you, though. I don't think that loss is on Milton. It's alarming how bad they were up front, like scary alarming. And look, Florida's got NFL defensive linemen. They got some dudes over there now. Okay, uh, Florida's defensive line is stout, but man, they got their ass kicked. And I understand that Josh Heupel's offense—he doesn't really believe in controlling the line of scrimmage. He better start. But in this league, like, he better start. That's kind of the name of the game in this league. Uh, and yeah. Yes. You know, it's can you can you can you get to the quarterback? Can you get to the quarterback with four? If you can get to the quarterback with four, you you've got no the offense has no chance. Matt and Matt Heifel, talked about this today in the blog over at tclub.team. He wrote a really great distillation of what happened. The thing that's most alarming to me is Tennessee got dictated to offensively and defensively the other night. Tennessee's game plan was to get dictated to in a, in a hostile environment. And Matt, I'm still trying to figure out what they were trying to do the other night on defense. Would you would you please explain that to me? Besides that, Graham Mertz gets comfortable um, in that game. I, I don't know. I don't know. They were getting blown off the ball. It's a one dimensional offense. I mean, we you know you can say how good of a game Mertz played. He threw. He had about five passes that he made. And that's really it. When they let him get um, a couple of third that. downs, but the guys were—it's not like he yeah. threw into tight coverages. The guys were open. I mean, he he made the plays, but yeah. I don't know what Tennessee was doing defensively. They kind of just sat back um, and get then and just got pushed off the ball up front. Their their defensive line, who I think is pretty is is, is at least okay SEC wise, like they got pushed around. That's but don't you, also, what, what don't you also, though, have to try to heat him up with your backers or a safety or so. corner and try to try to help the line? I mean, you you know, you can't just sit up there and just uh, wrestle and, all night. You're not going. And Tony, let's be real. Florida shut it down the second half. Of course they did. Mertz okay. was great in the first half. I'm they I'm of the mindset they shut it down in the second half. They saw it completely shut. Yeah, it down. I'm of the mindset they played keep away. Yes, and I don't know. I don't know what this narrative is that Billy Napier is some kind of chump, but they're not going anywhere. He's recruiting like a madman. He is. This was the year to get them. That yeah, was. He's no chump. Okay, he won big at Louisiana Lafayette. He had his. He was waiting on LSU. LSU was never going to hire the Lafayette coach. And that's why he turned down jobs. He took Florida. That guy's no chump. Matt, are we done? Are we going to retire Sunbelt Billy Matt, or is it just too good of a nickname? 
in light of what happened? I, I think he's a really good kind of CEO type. I don't think he's a good play caller. His offense is just a little too conservative for, for this era. Um, and they have, they have to win games like that where they shorten it and just control the line of scrimmage, which if you get enough talent, you can do that. Yep. Um, but, you know, I mean, he, he's a solid coach, but I'm, I mean, I don't, I'm not, wouldn't say I'm scared of him going forward. They really benefited, Mark, the other night from the new clock rolls because they played keep away in the second half. They got two and a half scores up and said, that's ball game. You have Joe Milton. We don't. We don't need to do anything on offense. We're going to protect this game. We're not going to throw the ball up over the middle, do anything crazy. They didn't even come close to turning it over in the second half, and, and away you go. Tony, um, I think this guy's tenure, Heupel, is going to – can Nico – he better hope, and we better hope as a fan base, and he better hope as a coach that Nico can play. Oh, he can really play. My question well, is, who's going to block for him? That's and a that's a huge to, question. You want him to see live SEC ammunition this year? He will. Or next year. Uh, look, I think he's going to play a little bit Saturday. It would not surprise me if he. It, it will surprise me if he doesn't get in that game on Saturday. It will I, surprise I, I, me. I was kind of under the impression most of the summer and going to the fall camp, like, look, this team's probably nine and three ish. That's me. Yeah. And. Why don't we have an eye on 24 here? Because that's when the roster should be pretty good. And like I said, it's a lot easier to make a 12-team playoff than it is a 14-team playoff. But, but let me ask you this. An eye on 24, right? Yeah. So would that have mean playing Nico the other night? Because I would I not have played other, him. I don't know about I would... the other night, but I think he starts uh, before the end of the season. Oh, I think he will, too. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Say, and and yeah. it's, your, it's your show, and let's see what you can do under live with under 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 fire. Yeah, yeah. Because by Animal that point, ball. look, if you start him the beginning of November, by that point he would have been on your campus around ten and a half months. I think that's a fair expectation. And you know the A and M game, uh, they got the toss up. You yep. should beat South Carolina with the revenge factor you're going to have going. Yep. You should beat Kentucky. Bama, I do think Milrow was suspended for the second week. They took him down there as an emergency quarterback, but I do think he was suspended. So funny. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, you're, you're probably not winning that game. You're not beating Georgia. So it's a 9-3, and 8-4 team, which in this league is respectable, but you have to have an eye on 24 with, with getting young guys in the game, get them developed, let them see a lot of I mean, SEC bullets and focus on that. By the way, Colombo, I'm cheering for your boy, ban, boy band Lane Kiffin, who doesn't win games like this, by the way, whereas Hugh Freeze yeah, did win games like this. He, I mean, you got it, Whoa, 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 whoa. He doesn't, he doesn't, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's fun on Twitter. He's funny in press conferences, but he doesn't win games like this on Saturday. He needs to win this game. He this does. is a highly yeah, winnable game for them. He needs to wow. belly up to the bar for once in his life and go win a game like this. I think he thinks they're going to win that white call. Should I blow him out. He's got the better quarterback, the better offense, the better team. Alabama is a mess right now. I think he thinks he's got. I think he definitely thinks he's got the better team. But Matt, Matt, how great would it be to see Ole Miss beat those guys 
Saturday afternoon as a prelude to our action. How much fun would that be? Uh, it's it's always a great day when Alabama loses. Oh. But that would that would be that would be really nice. That'd be that'd be that'd be a great a uh-huh. great start. Uh-huh. Oh, that'd be incredible! Uh-huh. I, I, think, I do think that they're a live dog. Matt, I, mean, I don't even know what the spread is, but they, they six and a half, seven. six and a half, seven. Yeah, kind of like our game last week. To, and listen, think, two uh, two losses uh, before the end of September. Saban wouldn't know what to do with himself. Well, the poor batters. Two, two home losses. <laughs> two home losses. Goal. They used to lose that many in two years. Exactly. Well, here's the problem. They don't. They they don't have the depth. They used to have that's three right. deep of NFL players. That's they right. Don't have that anymore. That's why Saban hates depth. freedom of movement. And and the other thing is he can't he can't uh, hard coach guys anymore because they'll just get up and leave. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. But here's your thing: right. you need to quit worshiping Kiffin if he doesn't win this game on Saturday. And you need I to come clean. Kiffin. You need to come clean and say this guy is a boy band. He either wins that game Saturday or he's a boy band, and you oh, need to admit it. He, oh, I'll admit it. It's, it. He needs it's time. He's beating everybody else in the SEC West. Hugh Freeze is a better football coach than him. Oh, yes or no? Oh, Tony God. Hugh well. Freeze is Matt. Really? Hugh Tony, Freeze or Lane really? Kiffin, Matt, who's a better football coach, Matt? Oh, God. Matt, who's a better game day coach, Matt? Oh, my God. Matt? Matt Dixon. Go ahead. Uh, Thank you, Matt. That little hesitation could be telling you something. It's Hugh Freeze who beat Tony. Nick Saban at the height of his powers twice. Tony, twice, Mark. Twice, freeze, not once, did, did, but twice. Tony, did Hugh Freeze ever win ten games at Ole Miss? No. Hugh Freeze also lost. Hey, guys, this guy goes out and beats the chumps. Go beat somebody Hugh that can freeze, play. Hugh Freeze went out and lost to Memphis the same year he beat he beat Alabama. Well, you're a clown. And quit worshiping. Uh, quit worshiping a boy band. You got 98 degrees. You got Joey Fatone over there. Brian, what's your favorite boy band of all time? Do you have a favorite boy band? Are you an NSYNC guy? Uh, I'm just sort of, I could take your leave most of that stuff. You, Matt? It's okay. It isn't great. No, it isn't awful. I like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Brian. I like the new edition, uh, Jackson 5. They were next level. Jackson 5 will stand the test of time. And... Um, Jordan Knight out in front of uh, New Kids on the Block were pretty good as well. Donnie Wahlberg. Brian likes Brian likes some New Kids. I know he did. Back to the phones we go. I'll be loving you forever. One of, great, one of Brian's jams. Let's go back to our phones. Maybe Hanging Tough as well. Let's get our next call in. Hello and welcome. Basilio Show Tuesday. Hi, Tony. Yo. This Negaball, how's it going? Well, you got a lot of oxygen right now. If you're Negaball, good gosh. Oh man, I was, I was dying. I called in for the Austin P game. Everyone called me crazy, saying that you know Tennessee, you know, would beat Florida. I, I knew the quarterback looked like a Heisman candidate that first half, but yep. that's neither here nor there. Yep. But I, my question is, um, do you think Heupel is too loyal? Because after what went down with Oklahoma with him, he just he is just pinned to the hip with um, it seems like Tim Banks, and then he's pinned to the hip with uh, Joe Milton. 
you know, Joe Milt was really loyal last year, didn't leave, um, you know, once he went, um, you know, you know stay under Hooker's watch, and he just seems very loyal to the Tennessee program. And I, I th- do you think Typhoon is too loyal to these guys um, after what went down in Oklahoma with them? I think that um, we're going to find out. I think we're going to find out. Because, look, you, you can't overreact to what happened at Florida, but you can't underreact either. Somebody said yesterday a game like that's worth five games. And that's probably an accurate statement, man, when you stop and think about it. Well, it just changes you also have to look at view you. His relationship with, with the, the offensive line coach and Willie Martinez, didn't, didn't both those guys come with him from Central Florida? Those guys are boys, man. Boys. To his point. Yeah, he just seems really loyal. Especially the O-line coach. That, but, you know. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's uh, it's something that can be viewed either way. I, I think Josh Heupel's a, deep down inside a really kind of a really one of the good guys in that sport, and he's easy to root for. But you do bring up an interesting question, which is if position groups or in recruiting – if you continue to slide or kind of muddle around, one thing you can say about a guy like Saban, he's never been afraid to step out there and make a change. Never. Either offensively, well, philosophically, personnel-wise, he's just never been afraid to make a change. I mean, the guy's played three quarterbacks in a week and a half. You know that Heupel's uh, not going to do what Pruitt did with Jeremy Brumball that one year. Or Jimmy Brumball, Jimmy Crackcorn. Jimmy Brumball, yeah. Fired him at halftime. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. I hope he wouldn't do that. That's about moronic. You fired. Excuse me? You fired. <laughs> Another question real quick, Tony. Do yes. you think um, Heifel knows how to pick a QB out of the pra- off the practice field? And my only question is, the only reason I say that is because Milton would have been our QB for a long time if Hooker if he didn't get hurt and a Hooker went in. Now that's an and interesting so, question, right? So if Milton didn't get hurt, how long would he have kept the starting job the first time around? It's an interesting question. I mean, it really is. You know, an uh, question. What if what if Caden Salter could have been the QB and didn't get dismissed? Oh my gosh! Would, well, would they have never brought in Joe Milton? Here's the, the here's the other one, Bry. What if the kid from Indiana would have stayed this year? Would they be apt to go to him very soon? See, that's that that that's where the transfer portal. It's kind of hidden. The impact of the transfer portal. That is an example of you don't even think about that. And, and that kid's not great. I mean, he's playing up there at a middling um, Indiana program, probably for a coach that's getting ready to walk the plank up there in sort of a never-was deal at Indiana. But he's out there starting games, and he's not terrible. So probably, probably if he was on your roster, and they kind of liked him behind the scenes, but he knew he was never going to play, So, which is what the portal does. I don't blame the guy for leaving. I don't think anybody does. But Negaval, you yep. bring up some interesting. Uh, you bring up some interesting points. Uh, 
that I think we should ponder. I really do. And I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Good talking to you. Matt, if Milton didn't get hurt a couple years ago, when he and he looks a lot better now than he did then, when he was doing the over Joe, overthrow Joe thing, he he's a, looks a lot better now. How long do you think they would have gone with him that season? It is an interesting question. Yeah, because you got to factor in that it took Hooker like three or four games before they really settled in with him. Yep. So I don't. If I had to guess, I would say Milton probably plays the whole year unless he gets hurt. And if he would have, last year never would have happened. Mm-mm. That's crazy to think about. Well, also, Hooker came in and played against Tech, Florida, and the yep. game that really took off with was probably Missouri, right? So it took him three games. To really look like he did. Yep. Three to four games. Back to our phones we go. Again, the Saturday thing, you can't overreact to it, but you can't underreact to it. And I'm probably overreacting to it. In fact, I know I am. I'm trying not to. Bino said something interesting, which is, it's the Florida game. So, you have to... But here's the thing we believed. We believed that Josh Heupel was immune from the history of these deals. But we learned something. He's not, a, he's not immune from the history of the Florida series. And, and some of the stuff that happened you can't control. Like the officiating the other night was horrendous, which I wrote about today at tclub.team. Just off the top of my head, five or six things that were just egregious those officials did. But the... The thing that really says Florida more than anything was the kicking of the football by the referee on the back way back to his position and then allowing them to substitute. And Heupel's over there like, to me, Heupel should have run out on the field there and gotten a 15-yard penalty. I mean, he should have been, after that happened, he should have been a lot more demonstrative. Cannot let those referees do that to you in that football game, in my mind you got to draw a line at some point and go out there and defend your guys, to me. Now, he was red enough at the end of the game and raw enough to take that time out. And we had that brawl going on, or whatever that was, that skirmish on the field. Brawl's too strong of a term. To me, though, Matt, that's a good spot to run out on the field and go, enough's enough tonight, what you guys have done. You've just given them the ball back. I'm going to walk out, so what, if I get a 15-yard penalty? I'm going to run out here, and I'm going to make it known. Because I think that's the most egregious thing that happened here tonight, Dixon. When they let those two, uh, when they let those, let those two guys sub in, what say you? No, it, it is. And you're talking about getting, getting a penalty after they failed? Yes. The fourth thing, yeah. Absolutely. You that's, run that's, out what, there. that's what Napier did here last year with that fake tough guy deal where he had the like six strength and conditioning coaches pretend to hold him back. See, I think there's a time and a place for that. Yeah, that, uh, that would have been a good one. I really do believe that. And, and you say to those guys, look, you – you guys this year, as a profession, are treating us like losers. 
We won 10 games last year. We won the Orange Bowl. And I would say that to him. And this has to stop. You haven't given us one whistle tonight. They've been holding Is it the just the whole a, time. They've been holding us all it, night. They're committing I think they were just bad officials. Brian, they committed interference. No. Every time every time uh, they, they were incompetent officials. Brian, every time is. we interfered, they called it. They were letting them grab jerseys. And look, I'm not blaming it on the officials. Tennessee was terrible the other night. But there's a time and a place he should have run out on the field there after that post-possession and gotten in the face of somebody, in my opinion. Because that's egregious. You kick a ball there. We're a tempo team. Everybody knows that. You accidentally, and then you compound that by letting them substitute. I'd have called that referee over and I'd have said, look, man, what do you think this is? If this was a practice game, I'd be screaming at you right now. We're playing in Florida. We've been preparing for this all summer. This is worth five games to me, jackass. And I think there's a time for that. Hello and welcome into our next call. How's it going, my man, Tony? Yo, how you doing? This is, uh, this is old ball cane. Welcome in. So, yep, it's been a while since I called, and I never thought, you know, I'd, it'd be the opposite of what it was last year, but I'm going to spit some straight facts. You can write this down in the etching in stone. Guess what the record of the top ten uh, transfer portal classes are right now? 29-1 and one at the top ten. you got... Colorado, LSU, Ole Miss, USC, Auburn, FSU, Miami, Oklahoma, Oregon, and UCLA. And the only loss is that LSU to Florida State. So obviously, it has something to do with it. And where did you find that? Is, if you don't mind me asking, what what, uh, what two, are you looking four, to? For two, what do you do? Okay, two four seven. Two four seven sports. All right. And the thing is, it goes by quality. It's not you know just. I mean, obviously, like you know, prime. You know. Uh, you know, had the most, so whatever. But, you know, I, I think, you know, one thing that people's learning, and, you know, and, you know, I know it's the Tennessee show, but I think Miami was one of the best ones that did it last year. They yep. replaced three of their offensive linemen. Yep. One with the, one with the kid, you know, the Maui Goa kid. The other yep. guy was a, was a Alabama guy that was a guard. Another one was the number one rated center from US, uh, UCF. So I think every year you've got to look and see, like, what you've got going on. You know, if you if you know a guy that you know you you got if you ain't got nobody better than him, you got better at least go out there and get some people behind him. And I'm not I know not knocking John John, but like there's a reason Miami let your boy go that's playing left tackle. I'm not saying he's bad, but oh, you Campbell? know what I mean. And if anything, oh yeah, Campbell, yeah, yeah. Look, look. Yeah. The other thing is too. You can find guys that are sort of in, that have fallen out of favor with staffs and redevelop them as well, like they did with him. He fell out of favor down there. Whatever the case is, he's available. They get him. They make a nice player out of him. Give me that record one more time from the top ten. Go ahead. Three weeks into the year. Go 20, ahead. Twenty-nine and one, and the only one loss is LSU, which is the number five FSU, and LSU was number two. So really, those teams haven't lost if you take that game out of the equation. Yeah. Matt, is that a exactly. uh, cherry-picked, um, inaccurate number, or do you think that's the way the sport is going? What do you What do you make of that number? Well, 
Well, I mean, the sports is trending that way, but I'd like I'd like to see who who all those teams played. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Colorados are are, are impressive, um, but I think they're kind of an outlier just in general. Um, like o- Oklahoma's had three Crip games. Um, Florida State's gotten a million times better with the portal. In fact, they've got a guard that they bought off Auburn's roster in the middle of Auburn's uh, being all, you know, destabilized during that coaching change, who's sitting the bench. Can't get, and he was, and he played in this league last year. He's sitting the bench for him. And Auburn was number five. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And another thing, like, you we. Everybody was talking about like Nico. You know? hey, hey, where was Tennessee on that list? By the way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look that up. 30, I think they were. I think they were 36. Yeah, you can't. Like you gotta be better than that. When your roster yeah, coming I mean, off a year like we had last year, you just you got to do better and be better. Got to be more proactive. And another thing was like you know everybody's talking about Nico. You know, I mean, you can't tell me if they don't get some help next year. You know, everybody was going after you know, especially Saban. He was going after the. May kid, he went after the Hardman kid, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, the day before Miami started fall practice, it was like, because I, I followed their little thing like I do you, yeah. that everybody was freaking out because uh, TVD was going to, uh, Tyler Van Dock was going to Bama. Could you imagine if one of those three quarterbacks was running Tennessee system or or even Bama, you know what I mean? What, what can Hopple do with uh, Drake May and Hardman or even Tyler Van Dock? Well, Saban knew that he had zero Hopefully answers. Hopefully have an offensive line. Saban knew he had zero answers at quarterback, which he has zero answers. The mm-hmm. Tennessee, at least, see, Joe Milton could go to Alabama and start for them tomorrow. Oh, yeah. He, he would go down there. Like, I know our fans, and look, I, I don't think Joe Milton's very good as a college starter. I just don't because I think it's more than just throwing the football. And then people hate on me for saying that. I just didn't believe in him in the summer. I don't believe in him now kind of is what he is but to blame him solely for what happened the other night it's just not accurate it's just not accurate but to your point Saban they when Drake May last year was having that great season they went and they tampered with him and he was not and you follow that league after that happened he was not the same player down the stretch because he was, I think, it looks like, who knows, but it seems like he was all like mentally one foot in, one foot out. What am I going to do here? And now he's kind of back to being Drake May again. He's pretty good again. Yeah. So. And and the last thing is like yeah. you were talking about married to married to assistant. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And and we we've, we've seen like how that how that works out you know and one thing you know like i said not getting on the soapbox of miami but uh mario filed the Brills award winner which everybody was kind of like you were talking about i can't remember who it was a couple years ago that said he was terrible or whatever but everybody was like you know uh, that josh guy or whatever was garbage and pretty much they were getting rid of freaking kevin flipping steel anyway uh so like I mean, and I don't know if anybody watched that that uh, Texas A and M game. I don't know how good they're going to be in the end. They might lose every game. That after was really this, impressive, man. That was two. That was two high level football. Oh, it was really. It was impressive. Going... No, it was an impressing. It was, it was an impressive offensive display. Because Miami gets down early and they rip them apart. 
I mean, they just. And I thought we were going to get hammered like. I know. That's what I thought. (laughs) I thought y'all were getting. I thought y'all were in for like a 42 to 14 absolute beatdown, and that offense just kept coming and coming and coming and and coming. And that's one one of the things I liked, you know, I found out, you know, was uh, the guys of of their new OC, like Mario was asking them before they scored that last touchdown. He was like, man, he's like, uh, are we going to run it? He's like, no. He goes, I'm putting another effing touchdown on him. Watch this. <laughs> That's a freaking cut right there. I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Hour number two on the radio coming at you. Hour number two. It's going to be absolutely outstanding as we continue. And then uh, as part of our TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime, we're going to get a download on uh, the San Antonio Rough Riders who are coming in here. What's San Antonio's nickname, Bry? The Roadrunners. The Roadrunners. Who's the Rough Riders, Bry? What are the Rough Riders? That's that's a uh, that's a league that no longer exists. That was the Riders, San Antonio. The Rough Riders are in Saskatchewan. Thank you very little. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in Southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. 
For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, memsmodernlandscape.com. That's memsmodernlandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. There are so many problems in the world right now that we can't do anything about. But the hunger crisis in southern Middle Tennessee is not one of them. You can join the Well Outreach Food Pantry in responding to help feed our neighbors in need. Kids, moms, and dads, and grandparents with nothing to eat. For just $30, you can provide a week of groceries to feed a local family in need. Give hope to the hungry right now. Thewelloutreach.org thewelloutreach.org. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, man, we're like on the Instagram now. We got these new liners. I mean, what in the world? Almost sounds like a real, like a real entity. 865-200-5402 as we uh, welcome you back. If, you, if you're uh, listening to us, uh, catching us today on our Twitter spaces, where several hundred people did yesterday, which is a huge number for that platform, we got like a some kind of message from them saying, wow, keep it up, whatever that means. But uh, if you want to raise your hand, I'll get you in. In the meantime, we'll go back to our phones at 865-200-5402. We have the conventional and the unconventional. I got away from the Twitter spaces over the florida game because i was just so pissed off i was feeling lazy so my apologies if you raised your hand the other night and i didn't get to you but uh i don't know the whole florida thing is just uh i, I personally and i know this is white flaggish of me which is not my style i'll be glad when that series is over that series has run its course and Outlived its usefulness. IMHO. Back to the phones we go. Hello and welcome in. You're live on our Tuesday edition. Hey, Tony. Bride Dixie. It's Brown Liquor. How you doing? Yo, bro. Welcome in. Man, you stole my line. I was just about to say I'm glad to see this. Pro- Two weeks ago, if you had asked me about this Florida game, <clears throat> I thought that we needed to stick our foot in the ground and win that game to get our program out of the dark ages and moving the right direction, which we're already headed that way. Yes. After that loss, I'm just like, you know what? This is always who we've been. We don't beat those guys back-to-back. We don't beat them at Florida Field. I'm not going to call it Swamp either. This is who we are, and I'm just glad to see the series over. It's a disgusting town. It's a disgusting series. Yep. And at least when we lost to Bama, a lot of times we were the inferior team. My God, we have lost to those guys in every way possible, and I'm done with it. We we are their Kentucky. I, I'm out, I'm out of it. 
Well, not only that, but you, you touched on something great, which is from a fan perspective, in terms of the least desirable places in the league to visit, well, Matt, let's do that real quick. Let's rank these. I, I'll put it in the blog tomorrow. Most desirable, Matt, to least desirable. LSU is number one. Matt, who's two? You've been to all um, of them. Who's two? A&M? Ole, Ole, Ole Miss? No, A&M's a cold. Ole, Ole Miss, maybe? Okay, go Ole Miss. Who's three? Georgia, maybe? That's a nice place to visit. Yeah, Athens is nice. It is very nice. Great college town. People bark in your face, but it's a nice town. Uh You know, some of these other places that are kind of, they say, in the middle of nowhere, like Starkville and Auburn and small places, sort of there's a a charm to a little bit. I don't think there's any kind of charm to Gainesville. I've never been to Starkville, but there's something there. That's probably better than Gainesville. I'm telling you right Gainesville now. Gainesville is literally, it's an ugly place. Florida, I haven't been there one Florida time. Gainesville's disgusting. It's the worst place in the league by far, which is it, my it's, point. It's like the state of Florida said, we're going to have all our beauty to the beaches, and we're going to put this garbage here in the north-central part of the state. And I would put Missouri right there, right right ahead of Florida for the worst spots in the league. LSU. I don't know. I think Columbia is nicer than Gainesville. From what I can, what I've seen, uh, it doesn't belong in the league, and it's not very nice. I've been there, done that, in my travels. Now, St. Louis is a very nice. At place. least there's more. Yeah, there's more places to eat around Columbia than Gainesville. <clears throat> at least. Well, I think uh, well, I think watching, Gainesville just opened I'm New Jersey Mike's. Yeah, <laughs> I I think I've decided that Florida maybe restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you, and a buddy of mine called me last night, and he said, you know, I heard you guys. He said, I thought it was very small of you, the way you were ripping Gainesville last week. He said, but the, he said I went down there for the first time. He said, you guys were right. He said, what a horrible place. I said, yeah, yeah. It's I want to ask, ask one more thing, and then yeah. I'll get out of the way, and then yeah. you probably got a bank of callers coming out. It, the the knock on Heupel about recruiting when he was at Central Florida was that he wasn't getting the stars or he wasn't developing them once he got them. Because I'm starting to wonder how, listening to you guys about our pipeline, I'm wondering if we're close to duly getting a kicker out of the frat house. Are we going to go frat house to frat house looking for O-linemen? Are we, are we almost at that point? You know, I don't know. I, I do think they're going to get active in the portal. The book on Heupel was he won with Scott Frost players. And then when he got his players in there, it was diminishing returns. Now, I think that's a little unfair if you look at his tenure because two things happened. One, they had a spate of injuries at quarterback, and the next quarterback up kept performing, which has to happen in his system for him to be successful. So they kept being successful in that regard. And then the um, final year there was the... COVID season, and I'm not sure how much of that was real when you look back on the COVID season. But the narrative around him was, and the people that looked at him said, when he started to get his players, their teams were getting worse. I don't know whether that's accurate or not. Matt, Matt broke all their games down when he first got here. 
How, uh, Matt, how, is, that a, is that like a fair assessment, unfair assessment, somewhere in the middle assessment? When you looked at his tenure at Central Florida, uh, which was so I'm, quick. There's a lot of truth to it. I mean, the, the COVID years, you know, kind of tough to judge, and they had a lot of injuries that year. Um, they're, and their defense fell. They actually had a pretty good defense in 2019. And then 2028, they just totally fell off. So I, I don't know. It's he just he's never had this caliber of players either. I don't think so. And I, it's it, it's weird. I I do know that when Gus Malzahn got the UCF, they he was surprised at how good their offensive line was, which gave me a lot of hope here. But that's certainly not translated here now that's interesting so gus malzahn said that out loud yeah yeah when he got there he told people that and he admitted that he he was like the offensive line is better than i thought it would be he said it was an sec caliber line which i mean tennessee was that last year too you just i mean and they developed they you know this staff developed darnell Wright into a top 10 pick i mean he was the best right tackle in college football last year but for whatever reason, they can't develop the, the guys behind them into just being serviceable players. Back to our phones we go. It's it's interesting. It, it's um, So he called it an SEC offensive line when he first got there. I'm going to look that up. That's certainly worth noting. And Malzahn's done okay there, yes. They've kind of jumped into a new league and Yeah. He he he's I think they're recruiting a bunch. Not hadn't necessarily translated on the field, but and they he's been a big portal guy. So the caller called in last hour, top left about twenty minutes ago, and said that if you look at two four seven rankings of the top transfer classes in America, and you just go 1 through 10, through 30 games, those teams have a combined record of 29 and 1. The one loss was number 4 LSU, or top 5 LSU in transfer classes, losing to number 1 Florida State. kind of interesting i mean to consider to matt's point though a lot of the top transfer classes if you take colorado out of there are real halves in college football who flex now that's not that's not ranking transfer classes over two years that's ranking them over just this one year past year right one year and here's the thing here's the thing the halves are always going to get the pick of the litter which is why it's really strange that Tennessee's down there in the 30s with the NIL program they have. That tells me they did not prioritize at all the portal. I wonder if this coach is going to do a change uh, in light of what happened in Gainesville and in light of their pipeline on the O-line. Here's the thing about the O-line, though couple of these guys could really grow like behind the scenes like we've seen 
But when we talk about that O-line, when I talk about them on here, I want to be specific. I'm talking about this point in time. His first two signing classes, they just don't feel like they have an offensive lineman that's going to see the field. Case in point, like Addison Nichols, they list him in their two deep. They have no design on him playing. They just don't believe he's going to play. And, as I like to say, I didn't do it. I mean, I'm just telling you what I hear. And I think people understand by now that that's what we're doing here. I I have a conversation like we're sitting around a barbershop. I try to keep it a hungy with you. Which is why I love what Matt just brought up about UCF. They inherited a SEC-level offensive line when Gus Malzahn first got there. That was his assessment of what was left in. Now it's making less sense, Matt. That makes zero sense to me. That's really interesting, by the way. Another thing that's really interesting. I'm trying to find where he said that. You said today that Heupel, as a head coach, does this thing where when he's a seven-point favorite, he loses outright in football games. He's done it each year. Elaborate on that. Is that what you wrote today, or was I seeing that last night through a bleary eye? Yeah, yeah. After his that first year at UCF where they went undefeated, he's he's lost as a favorite at least once every year as a as a touchdown favorite. Um, that like the Purdue game last year was was or two years ago was that one. Um, maybe that's sort of an outlier deal since it's a bowl game. But, you know, South Carolina, and, and most of them have been by, when they've been favored by like 14 or 20 points. I think they got upset by Tulsa once or twice when they were at least the two touchdown favorite. Um, obviously the South Carolina game last year, I think they were three touchdowns. So, you know, he, he loses about one game a year that his team's favored, favored by a touchdown in. So he's not trustworthy. As a as a heavy favorite at times, all the time yeah. as a heavy um, favorite. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. I wonder what the rate is. I bet my boy from Zen would have that. What the rate of outright losses is when you're a seven point or better favorite in a football game. That's an interesting stat. So the Purdue bowl game. Tennessee was, I remember John Adams on the air saying, I bet my house on that. South Carolina game came out of nowhere last year. Nobody saw that coming. Tulsa, if my memory serves me correctly, just loving the sport as much as I do, had a great defensive coordinator that kind of had Heupel's number, right, Matt? This guy kind of figured it out. Yes, and he was at TCU. He's at TCU now. He was really good. They used to play some classic, like some of those Thursday games or Friday night games. The hype one had this high-flying offense to like yeah, they, against this dude. This guy, they, and it was all because they play. could they could get pressure on the quarterback with three or four and slow down their running game with a light box. That's the key. And then what the Florida did the other night. It's what Georgia did last year with um, uh, Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that most a lot of teams. Can't, well, what Florida did was was probably really alarming because they could, they could do it with with. Four. I mean, they've got good play. I I don't think they yeah. have great 
a, a great defensive line. We made them look like Reggie White, but yes. I don't think there's like surefire pros up, up there. The kid that transferred from Memphis, Matt, had to be like a kid in a candy store. That had to feel unbelievable for him to go out there against Tennessee and ball out like that because he you was can really disruptive. Push a lineman back two oh, yards. He was so disruptive. Oh, well. It's really interesting. Now, we do have to point out that the Florida game went off at under a touchdown, but it was like a, it was like, it got to like seven and a half, eight in some spots last week. So, for all intents and purposes, that was a touchdown line. And you're losing as a kind of a heavy favorite there, losing outright. Back to the phones we go. Some of these games got one-sided, too. Did the Tulsa games get one-sided, Matt, when they lost? They get popped in uh, those games? I I mean, they were fairly close because Tulsa can't score. That's right. But yeah. I, like, I, they were behind the whole, like, every game. They might have they might have been down two scores a lot. So, yeah. I mean, I, but I, I think they were at least close at the end, but that's more because Tulsa couldn't score. Let's get our next call on in your Tony Basilio show on a Tuesday. Reminder, we're live at Calhoun's on the River on Friday. Also Thursday night, race fans, race fans, race fans, race fans. It's winners and losers presented by our friends at Miller Lite. It's going to be incredible this week as our guys look to get back in the win column. Hello and welcome into our next call. Hey, Tony. Uh, hey, Matt. It's Richie. How you guys doing? Hey, Richie. Good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, yeah, good to talk to you guys. Uh you know, this game Saturday, look, it, it, it comes down to, to a lot of things, but the middle edge in this game is, is, is so obvious, and it's partly on all of us in a way because a lot of our fan base, and I, and I don't mean to call anybody out, but it, a lot of people that are under 40 put this game on like a pedestal where it's like the Auburn-Alabama game or Army-Navy or Ohio State, Michigan, and and it's the biggest game of the season to them. And some of them probably went to college. Some of them know the players. And they make this the end-all, be-all game. And then when you play it early in the season and you lose it more often than you win it and you got a bad team or apparently a bad team down there in Gainesville, you know you know that these guys are hearing all week that hey come on guys you got to beat them this year these guys suck we can't lose to you know Florida this year and they go into the game from the other side you know Napier they even said on the telecast that he's been pumping them full of old Tennessee Florida games so that they know that hey there's no way you're going to lose because these guys are going to play like crap and these guys are going to put all this pressure on themselves and they're going to find a way to lose all we've got to do is just hang in there and just let them lose the game, and we'll do it. And they go in sky high. It's not a big rivalry to, to them. And, oh, by the way, guys, it never really has been. Georgia and Florida State are always going to be bigger rivals to Florida. Miami would be a bigger rival if they played them every year like they used to, and so is LSU. So even if Florida loses to Tennessee, their whole fan base isn't going to throw up their hands and say the season's over because they still get to play Georgia, Florida State, and LSU. Whereas half of ours are like, well, we don't get to play anybody else. The only way we can save our season now is beat Alabama. And that's the reason we lose this game. That's a big part of the reason we lose this game every year, is we treat it like it's a damn Iron Bowl in September, and they don't care. 
and that's and that has a lot to do with it. The fans do it, the players do it, the coaches do it, and it's been that way ever since we started playing them. And they're not even one of our biggest rivals historically, guys. And whether we win or lose this game, we recruited we recruited in Florida back in the seventies and eighties just fine without even playing them. It's not that important. It really isn't. Georgia's more important than Florida. When you think about that, so. We need to just get up. That's why I'm glad we're not playing them every year. We just need to get this out of our system. It's a big game. They're great. They're you know they're a good team, but it's not the end all be all that some people make it out to be, and that's affected. I think the way our teams play. Dixon, game. what do you Dixon? What do you think? Well, I, I think it, it was the biggest game of the year for about you know, the first 15 years of division play because yep. both teams were playing at a high level and it decided the East. But I think there's a lot of truth there. Tennessee just plays so uptight in these games, and m- more times than not, that's going to lead to you not only being conservative but just also making just m- critical mistakes in there. I mean, Tennessee has lost the game to Florida a whole lot more than Florida's ever won it. Yeah, pretty much since Urban Meyer walked on their campus, this hasn't been a very competitive series. And really, I mean, once Georgia got good again, and this game wasn't the end-all, be-all for the East, I mean, it, 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 it is an important game, but it's not that. And, when, and even if we play them every year, once the divisions go away, it's not going to be any important than any other game. I mean, it's going to be more important than Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Missouri, but... It's not more important than Alabama, certainly, or Auburn, or LSU, or Georgia, or Texas, or Oklahoma, uh, or any of those games are going to be. So, yeah, your your point is well taken. Yeah, your point because I've been around here for a good bunch of those. Back in the '90s, there was no downplaying those games. I mean, back then they used to have an they used to have a saying: "The game of the century." And things in college football were a little more quaint back then. Everything wasn't televised, but Really, the Tennessee game, Tennessee-Florida game, was a doorway from which the rest of the season was shaped because the winner of that game was going to be not only a contender in the league, but really a contender for the national championship. That's what that game was for several years, several years. And, And really, that was the case, if you stop and think about it, from about 1995, 96 right through 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. And so, and so, so you, you, Richie, you have to understand that that's part of the history, and that's a pretty significant portion of time in college football. But I'll challenge you this, Tony, and you, you were here when this happened, too. Back in the 1980s and the early 90s, if we beat Auburn, Early in the season, oh, I loved September, it. It was the best. We won the SEC championship, or we played for it. Yeah, it was if the best. We lost, we didn't. But people didn't lose their mind over it. No. But that game was a doorway to the SEC championship every year in the '80s, just like the out the Florida game was a doorway. But people didn't lose their crap over losing to Auburn, and we lost to them every year. We went down to the plains from from 1980 to 1990. We lost to them every year. We played them. And when we win that, if you win that game in September, you play for an SEC championship, or you're in it. You Just do bring up you, a, you do bring up a wonderful point about the way people lose their minds over. I mean, the game, but and the thing is, Florida yeah. does not care, and and even then, they still 
would rather beat Florida State and Georgia. But see, you know, you saying they don't care, I don't. I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. If Tennessee would have done to Florida what Florida did to Tennessee the other night, they'd be calling for that coach's head. Because he lost to Kentucky and Vanderbilt. No, they'd been calling for his head because he lost two games in a row to Tennessee. That would have been so alarming to them that it's just not even funny. That was a huge, huge win for that guy. For you're acting like it's not significant game to them. That's a huge equity building win. For that coach in the eyes of that fan base, Richie, you're you're underselling the game. You you do I, make some good points, but I think you're underselling the I game a little it, bit. I think it mattered to the Urban Meyer folks when he was down there. This game did. Of course, Brian, it's always going to matter to those people. Of, yeah, won three out of four games. He'll be one three out of four, but it's not to them. It is not number the number one game to any Florida fan. It is the number one game to over half our fan base, and that's the problem. And that's going to. And if we continue to play them every year, it's going to continue to be a problem. It's not Auburn, Alabama. It's not Ohio State, Michigan. Over half our fan base puts them number one. And even if we're beating them consistently, we're at best the third biggest game on their schedule. At best. Do you buy that, Matt? What he's saying? You think that's true? I think he's underselling this yeah. deal. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of truth to it. You can make an argument that we're sort of that way with Georgia, too, because Georgia has Georgia Tech, they have Auburn, they have Florida that probably they care about more than they care about playing Tennessee. And Alabama has Auburn. That's always going to matter more maybe than the Tennessee game. So Tennessee's like that to probably their all three main rivals. But I'll, 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 I will say this, though, about Georgia. Because I'm from Georgia. They do care about the Tennessee game. We're pretty on equal terms with them because oh, yeah. they see Georgia Tech the way we see Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Now, Auburn and Florida, I'll give you that. But I think with Georgia, we're pretty much about where they are with us, all things being equal. And Tennessee has that, that game, thing where they'll sneak up there and beat them even when they're better, yeah. which is kind of fun, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that we're we're more on an even playing field with them. But what I'm saying with this is because it's – now, if we played them at the end of the season, I don't think this would matter as much. Because then if it's your end-all, be-all game, well, your season's over, it's not going to affect you. What you don't want to do is have this affect everyone's, you know, feeling about the season the whole rest of the year. I mean, if we finish 9-3, and three, and let's say we beat Alabama or beat Georgia somehow, I mean, well, heck, we had a great year. But some people are going to be like, well, we lost to Florida. Yeah, in September. SEC missed a real yeah, opportunity. I think it, yeah. it, it, yeah. it stings worse because more times than not, it's been the first loss of the season. That's right. And, and it, that one is all, always kind of more painful than And it pulls the air out of your others. sails. Yep. And it became so. such a big deal in the 90s when it was the end-all, be-all, that it's sort of that, that carried over. I remember yeah. talking to Fulmer one time away from everything, and – and he, he had said, because he had heard that we have, we were, like, uh, on the air doing the thing about one of my themes back in the 90s was, why are you not playing this game at the end of the schedule? It could be Michigan and Ohio State. And it would have grown into that, by the way. It would have been the game. It would have been Auburn and Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida that weekend. The year they did it, they did it because of the national tragedy. It was one of the great spectacles in college football that year. They played that thing in early December. 
And it was, without a doubt, if they would have done that down through the years, that would have been an incredible rivalry. You know what the SEC would tell Fulmer back then? They want to be deferential to Florida State, Florida. That's why they didn't do that. You think the league today would care about Florida State and Florida, Richie, when it comes to scheduling? Well, no. And what's no. so frustrating about that is Florida, Florida State started playing at the end of the season sometime in the eighth. It's not that. It's not like Georgia, Georgia Tech, or even Clemson, South Carolina. They haven't been playing since the sixties. In fact, I don't think Florida, Florida State even started playing until the mid seventies. So for them to be deferential to Florida, Florida State is insulting. You know, but. It it's, is what it is. It right? sounds like a uh, like a government got involved there with Florida, Florida State playing each other. No, I, I just think the SEC just decided, hey, we're Florida would always argue with the league. We can't do that because because Tennessee was pushing for it. Look, when you first put the game, leagues in the divisions, you don't know who's what and where and how. You don't know whether the two emerging powers are going to be Florida, or Georgia, or. The two teams in the Lee, in the Lee, in the Lee, were Tennessee and Florida. Not the East, the Lee. Put the game at the back of the schedule. And, 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 uh, and uh, that's Miami a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer, man. And, and Florida State could, and Miami could have played the last week of the season, and they would have been just as happy to see that. And by the way, if they'd have done that for 30 years, I'll bet our record's better, to your point. Yeah, because I think psychologically, if you if you make it that end all be all game, but it's at the end of the season, you have something to work towards as opposed to something to climb out of every year when you lose them. So yeah, I mean, and, and that's why I don't understand why they didn't put more pressure. You know, the athletics directors. You know, for years the LSU athletics director would go down to the SEC meetings, whoever it was, and complain. Oh, we got to play Florida every year, and Tennessee gets. To, I mean, Alabama gets to play Tennessee, and I'm wondering why our why our athletics directors didn't go down there and say we should be playing Florida at the end of the season and make a big deal. Of it, it was a it, during the Dickey years. Did. During the Dickey years, it was a source of frustration for Fulmer, and he was right. They they should have played that game at the back of the schedule. Fulmer thought it was inherently unfair to have to play them every year. Uh, especially with Spurrier's intricate offense and the way Tennessee would have to grow into theirs. I mean, the Tennessee teams would be a totally different team in September than they were in late November. All these teams are. So you always should want your best games at the back of schedules. The year they did play in in, uh, December, if they played them in the normal spot in the schedule, I don't think they'd have won it. Because Tennessee was coming off that really lackluster game against Arkansas. And don't they saw where they won, uh, I think, like 10 to 3 or something like that. That's a really great point, Brian. And Stallworth broke his wrist, and he couldn't have played in the game. Uh, Well, you look at, you talk about that, Tony. Well, what about, look at what Alabama does. Look at their schedule. Let's say all things are equal and all the teams. The powerhouses are, are good, let's say, one particular year. When does Alabama play their first big SEC game every year of the traditional power, traditional good teams? Uh, like third six, Saturday in October. That's exactly right, six weeks into the year. And then they play LSU in November, mm-hmm. and then they play Auburn at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So they get to work into their schedule, and, you know, Georgia's the same way. When do they play their first big one? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, traditionally, it'd be us sometime in October. Yeah, so. this this game could have been that series down through the years could have been because Tennessee was good enough. It could have been an all time classic series, and Richie wouldn't be on here besmirching it, you Braves fan. Thank you, Richie. Hey, hey Richie, well, by the hey, way, hey, thank, hey, you thank you for cooperating last night. Thank you for... Can you wait till October to start beating us? Because it feels weird for y'all to beat us during the regular season, because you never do. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you for cooperating. Can you guys pitch right a couple more times for us? Well, maybe not tonight. I mean, you know, he's got to get his arm back. Thank you, brother. Good talking to you. All I wanted to do was you get know, down there and win uh, a game, so mission accomplished. The first, the uh, year that Johnny Majors beat him 45-3, I think that game was in October. That wasn't early in the season. That was, I think, maybe the fifth or sixth game. Look that up, Ry. I, I think that I think that was a September game, actually, because I, uh, I was deer that night. You know, it might not have been a September game because it, it was a little cool that night. It was after, yeah, I think it was early October, maybe mid-October when they played that game. Back to the phones we go. That's interesting. But Richie does have a good point. If they would have played that game where it should have been now, and the league the league today, because it's all television-based, would have adjusted to that. Today, that game would have been played for 30 years right there at the back of November. They would have adjusted to that. Hello and welcome into our next call. Sixth game, October 13th. Very interesting. Hi, you're on the air. Welcome in. Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Oh, gosh. Uh, I just don't know. I need uh, talking off the ledge. Where do we go from here? Well, we got Texas San Antonio in four days. It's going to be a lot of fun. Time to win a game. You know what? But I, I want to tell you something. I stumbled across y'all Wednesday, and I was so hopped up. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I bought into all this. I've been a fan since I was a little 10-year-old girl listening exactly. on the radio because yep. we couldn't afford a TV. Old school. Like we used to listen to it. on These kids today don't understand. You used to have to oh, create man. it in your mind. You had to create Let the picture in your you. mind. Dude, don't get the deal with with the uh, 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 gators. I still, I'm just now getting to where I can talk. He's insane. It means so much, I can't explain it. I could tell you so many stories. Y'all would get such a kick out of it. should be ROL on the board. Tell me one of them. Tell me, tell me a good story of what it means to you. Just, just let, let's fire it up, focus oh it, prepare it here God, today. You know, the chomping thing. The, chomping thing. You know, the greater chomp. I just could, I could just scream. And can't just, do it. And I, you know, you know those people. Those people are some real rednecks, man. No offense to rednecks. Yeah, I mean, you can tell I'm hillbilly, honey. Look, Appalachian, born and bred. Yes. I go back to the Condridge Holloway days. That's and, right. The tearaway and, jerseys. And on the radio. But you know what? There's so, a difference between like the good old fashioned hillbilly, right? Is somebody you'd want to like hang out with? The good old fashioned yeah. redneck. Those yeah. are those people from Gainesville who are kind of surly. 
They're like yeah. half Yankee. I don't want to be around those people. Honey, look, I mean, they can be a redneck from any part of the country. That's a good uh, point. That's a good point. You know, you know what I mean. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, I grew up in the Northeast. I saw a bunch of them. You, yeah. you're, you're speaking the truth. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I am a Yankee. I was born in Millville, New Jersey. Uh my uncle has a, a, a bar up there, Larry's Bar, about 50 miles from Atlantic City. I've got all kinds of stories. But let me get, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to do a podcast, me and you. You could tell some stories from Larry's oh, Bar. Yes, honey, we would do great. Millville, together. did you say Millville, New Jersey? M-I-L-L. I know Millville. That is some, I'll tell you what, there's some rough customers in Millville now. Hey, oh, I can just let me... Am I lying? I bet your Uncle Larry had some fights in his bar back in the day. Well, it was the Ford boys that come back. Uh, I live, i tell you where I live, Hartford, Tennessee. You know where Gatlinburg is, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, if you leave Gatlinburg and you go up the mountain, not towards Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, I'm talking about the other way, up the mountain towards a little place called Cosby. Cosby, I know Cosby. I remember there, we used okay. to have a guy, we used to have a guy that would call the show called the Cosby Cattleman. Now he can't get a word in edgewise, but go ahead, continue. Yes, okay, Cosby, Cosby, that was my stomping ground. There you I go. was the high school cheerleader there. Oh, okay, do you know a guy from there uh, named Jim? Looks like um, Ned Beatty from Deliverance. <laughs> a bunch of them. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, what are we going to do here? My dad's name is Ethel, was Ethel Ford. He had a brother named Henry. And no, we're not them. Let Darn me believe you take. I was going to ask you for a cash donation at the end of this. Hey, <laughs> let me. Hey, I might get there according to Ancestry.com. You would not believe what I found. Cool. But i got to get back to my balls. Me you ha- my listen, you have kid. a Dwight Gooden, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. That was an outstanding phone call by which all other calls today will be judged from here on out as we continue. It is the Tuesday full moon edition of the program after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. 
Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Come see us Saturday, September 9th, and let your first cookout be on us. With the purchase of any grill, you will receive an Omaha Steaks voucher for 12 steak burgers and 12 beef franks free. We also will have hamburgers for the first 100 customers between 11 and 2 until we run out. Come see us Saturday, September 9th at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. I am Jack Blackstone. I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. I've got our favorite grocer, Mr. Miles Johnson on the line. Miles, how's everybody doing today at Foodland? We're doing great. How about yourself? Oh, I'll tell you, I'm doing fantastic. You guys always have some great deals over there. What do you got for us this week? Well, this week we have New York strip steaks, five ninety nine a pound. Iceberg lettuce, a dollar forty nine each. Sweet onion, three pound bags, two ninety nine each. Nestle Pure Life water, twenty four pack, three for ten. 
and Coca-Cola six packs, three for twelve dollars. All right, some great deals as always. And uh, as always, you guys are open seven days a week, seven a.m. till nine p.m. Did I get it right, Miles? Yep, that's right. All right. Again, you're located right there on West Seventh Street. So everybody, check in uh, the great deals and see what they got. And there's a flyer at the door, and the people are always very helpful there. So, Miles, as always, we thank you. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Once again, that was Miles Johnson from Foodland. Go check them out. They got some great, great deals over there, and now uh, they will take care of you and uh, definitely have a good trip visiting with them. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And the great Matt Dixon today made it roll over on the uh, T-Club.team, our Tony's Talking Points. Start your day with that every day. Get a head start. Back to our phones we go. We've got a gentleman coming up uh, at the top of our TLD Logistics Overdrive. Overtime. Going to take you down to San Antonio. On a sleepy little time. On a sleepy little Greg Luca going to join San Antonio Express News. In the meantime, back to our phones we go. Hello and welcome in. What is up, Tom? It's Lee, man. Hey, Lee. Welcome in, brother. Can you tell a story about my Uncle Larry? Only if, he has a, only if he has a bar in Millville and only if one of the stories ends with somebody with a pair of brass knucks in their hand. <laughs> I'll tell I did have Uncle Larry, but I don't think he was as entertaining as this guy. But I look forward to y'all's podcast, though. Interesting. Hey, I bet it's better than that winners and losers thing we're doing. I bet it was last week. We weren't too bad last week. We were all right. But um, well, you're just just a couple of things. I know y'all were talking about. Spencer Rattler yesterday. Man, Spencer Rattler, I've done like a complete 180 on that kid, man. He's, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. He he knows, like, in order just to complete a pass, he's got to stand there and just get annihilated. And he does it. Like, I'm I'm super impressed with that kid now. I don't I still don't think they're very good. But, but I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of amazed at how far he's come. Because he used to be awful under pressure. Now he sits there and he just takes it um, and gets drilled and completes passes. So he was insane Saturday. I mean, the, the, he he didn't win, didn't come close to winning. His performance in that game was off the charts. Um, the Alabama thing. Like I, I think it's what I've, what I'm hearing is there's pretty decent amount of friction between Tommy Reese and Nick Saban about going back to the summer about who was going to start at quarterback. And there was this, you know, Milrow, the suspension thing, I think he was probably suspended. I think there was also a factor where Saban goes to Reese and says, we've got to get this offense going. And Reese says, I can't do it with your, with Milrow, your quarterback. And Saban says, okay, we We'll start your guy versus South Florida, who just gave up 400 yards passing to Florida A&M, by the way. And so he 
lets him sort his guy, and you see how that went. And now it's kind of easy to go back to Milrow. Like, everybody's kind of seen what the other options are. But. You know, I don't understand Saban bringing Tommy Reese in. That's just not. It's just not what he does. Um, Tommy Reese was kind of middling, kind of mid, as the kids like to say at Notre Dame. I don't get that, man. That's not what Saban does. Never a fan of him. I don't understand that. I mean, if you follow the sport, it wasn't like they're putting up great numbers. But I I think everybody's probably jumping the gun and thinking Ole Miss is going to beat them, though. Ole Miss ain't going to beat them, man. 